Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's start off at Keeneland. Keeneland Race Course. You know the meeting is underway, the spring meet, uh, as was the case in the fall, the all-turf pick three. It's been a fantastic smash hit. If you haven't gotten involved, you still got a few days left. Make sure to take advantage of that. We know the quality of the racing. Most of the stakes action has come and gone, but there are still some big races yet to come. And not just from a gambling standpoint, but it's always good to see quality racing top to bottom. And you know you're going to get that at Keeneland Race Course. And also from a gambling standpoint, new Keeneland Select accounts will receive a special $100 back after they wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this April. Wager a total of $300 in the first 30 days and earn another $100 back with the standard sign-up bonus. So, $300 on Keeneland, the spring meeting, you get $200 back in your account. It has to be for new accounts, and you have to use the promo code ITM22. Again, the Keeneland uh, spring meeting, excuse me, got a few days left for that one. Now, also, out on the West Coast, our friends at Santa Anita Park are back. Santa Anita is kicking off spring racing on Saturday, April the 30th. The racing week will be Fridays through Sunday moving forward. Uh, Santa Anita Park is offering free trip notes from our friends at TripNote Pros. Uh, visit SantaAnita.com for free analysis and selections from experts like Jeff Siegel and Michelle Yu. And there's also a new way to win with Santa Anita's online contest, Showviver. On Sunday, May the 1st, start your month-long contest for most win earnings. The person who has the most win earnings at the end of the month will win a free entry into the next Live Money $500 challenge hosted by Santa Anita. You can go to SantaAnita.com to sign up for that. And again, as always, make sure you're playing in the Golden Hour Wagers. You've got the $1 minimum in the pick four. You've got the $5 minimum in the double. It's a player-friendly 12% takeout, and it features the last two races at Santa Anita and Golden Gate Fields. You want to make sure you're involved in the Golden Hour wagers out on the West Coast from our friends at First Racing in Santa Anita Park. Now with that, let's move on to this week's show. Hello there. Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, April the 25th, 2022. This is episode 113 of the podcast. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the podcast audio only, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also find this show over on YouTube. Search bar, Matt Bernier Show. you get this episode along with the 112 prior. And if you're over there, please subscribe to the In The Money Media channel. That way you get all sorts of great content, especially during derby season. But going forward, I uh, can't totally officially say it, but happy hours coming back. You're going to want to take a look at those and be on top of things, um, but also all sorts of great content top to bottom, wagering, just overall opinions, you name it, the In The Money Media YouTube channel, you need to subscribe and you also need to make sure the bell icon's lit up. That way you will get notified anytime there's new content that's uploaded to the channel. And if you do listen audio only, whether it's on your phone or computer or whatever else it may be, please subscribe, rate, review, the whole nine, leave some comments beneath any of these things, the, the video player, give us a review on uh, Apple Pods or whatever else it may be. All of those things help us in the uh, grand scheme of things. So uh, before we get going with this week's show, quick round of applause for a friend of the show, Howard Kravitz. So he did a great job on TVG yesterday. You know, it's always good when you've got a, a seasoned pro like Todd Trupp to help. You know, first time through it can be a little intimidating. Anytime you're in front of the camera in a position that, you know, you're a little unfamiliar with, and there is a difference between doing a podcast and doing live TV, but I thought Howard did a fantastic job, and um, and it's always nice when you pick a winner, too. So good on Howard. Well done there. 
Uh, hopefully those of you listening or following the HHH Racing Pod already picked up on that and saw that on Sunday afternoon at Keeneland. Um, let's get into some programming notes as far as this show is concerned. Uh, today I'm going to go over, and this is going to be a bit of an open-ended show. I'm going to need some feedback from all of you. Again, comments beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. I went through and based on the, the five prior years, and I'm only going to use four of the races simply because of 2020. Uh, I, I didn't use that because the race ended up coming up in September and the horses in September are different than the horses in May. I wanted to find comps, comparable horses. We talk about the, the housing market and, you know, one of the things, I don't know last time any of you bought or sold a house or anything like that, but you talk to a realtor or a real estate agent and they put together a list of comps to try to get an idea of pricing for you, for your home. What's it worth? What do things that are similar end up going for? How do they end up performing? Things like that. So I thought it would be a fun exercise. I've never done this before. I didn't do it last year or any of the years prior with this show, whether it was within the money or when I was over at the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, I wanted to go through, and I say the past four years, or five years rather, I went to 2018, with the exception of one horse. And the top 10 as of Monday morning, because things are changing, it sounds like Classic Causeway may be back into the field. So we'll talk about that probably next week. We'll get to that also in a minute. The top 10 horses currently as of Monday morning, on the Derby Point standings, I went through and I wanted to see who I thought from a speed figure standpoint, also from a sort of tactic standpoint, who were their comps over the past four or five years to hopefully or maybe give us an idea of perhaps how things like that can translate. And I understand it's never going to be a perfect comparison because there are situational things. Racetrack can be a little bit different. Sloppy versus fast. Pace scenarios can be different. The overall caliber of runners can be different. But I think this time of year, and it's we're in sort of the dog days, trying to get to the derby itself. Uh, I thought it would be a fun exercise. And let me know if you agree with some of the comps that I throw out there. I'm going to give you a, a handful of comps for each of the top 10. Uh, and I say each of the top 10, with the exception of Tis the Bomb and Crown Pride, because I just couldn't find what I deemed fair comps, really. Um, I'm going to give you a few for the other runners and ultimately the one that I think they're most similar to over the past few years. And that doesn't mean that they're going to run the way that said horse did, but I just think it's a fun exercise to do uh, at this time of year when we're all talking about pace and this, that, and the other. And you certainly want to check all that out. Um, but there are a million ways for us to find that sort of stuff. And this is just something a little bit different. But before we get into that, some things coming down the pipe, okay? There's a chance that this is the last show for this show for the foreseeable future. I am intending on coming back next Monday and probably doing the back half of this field, the same ex exercise. There's a chance that I'm not back for that. There is a very good chance I am not back the Monday following the Kentucky Derby. There is a reasonable chance I am not back the Monday leading into the Preakness. I will not be in Louisville for the NBC broadcast for the Derby. Uh, as of right now, the plan, and you know, assuming everything goes according to plan, I will be in Baltimore for the Preakness for NBC. Uh, but I've got some stuff coming up, and uh, you know, I'm sure you can put two and two together if I could potentially be missing a couple weeks. And when I do show up on camera, whether it's here or on TV, if I have bags under my eyes, you'll understand why. Um, but there's some stuff coming up and I may not be here 
So if for whatever reason the pod doesn't show up for the next few weeks, I can guarantee you there will be at least one where I'm not on. And I know, you know, we want to go through and recap the Derby and go through trips and things like that. There will be time and I promise I will do it at some point. It just may not be immediately because I got some other stuff going on. So um, we'll see. Hopefully, knock on wood, everything goes according to plan and goes on time. Uh, But just FYI, if for whatever reason the pod doesn't show up next week, the following week, the following week, um, there's good reason. And we'll get into that later on when that time comes. But anyway, just wanted to get that out there ahead of time. Let's get into this. The comps that I drew anyway, my opinion of what some of these horses maybe prior years, what they're most similar to and how those horses that they may be most similar to ultimately performed on the first Saturday in May. Let's start at the top with Epicenter. This is not a scientific exercise. This is purely just kind of fun fodder. We can go through uh, the 1 through 10 as far as the points standings are concerned at the moment, acknowledging that two of them I just didn't think they were reasonable comps for in Tis the Bomb, as well as uh, Crown Pride coming in from Japan. But, and this is also not including the classic Causeway news that he's probably back in the field. But I, I went through going back to 2018 and including 2018 while omitting 2020, finding horses that I thought were reasonably similar to the horses that we're going to see the first Saturday in May, running style wise performance-wise leading into the Derby, and then ultimately how did they fare in the Derby itself? And this doesn't mean that they're going to be carbon copies or any of that kind of stuff, but I think it's just something to, again, maybe you don't glean anything from it, but I think it's just a fun thing to go through and try to see, make heads or tails of any of these horses. So at the top, maybe this will be a good example or show you kind of what my thought is. Epicenter, he's had four starts this year. He has earned, and this is going in reverse chronological order, so the most recent race first and the oldest race last. Buyers of 102, 98, 88, and 87. The horses that I pulled for cops, I pulled four of them. 2021, Hot Rod Charlie. He only had two races leading into the Derby, but he earned buyers of 99 and 94. Midnight Bourbon, who, by the way, RIP. Terrible, horrible situation, horrible story. A really nice horse, game horse, gutsy horse. Um, it's just terribly unfortunate what happened to him. Condolences to everyone involved with him. He was a really good horse. Um, he had earned buyers of 96, 96, and 93 leading into the Derby. Improbable in 2019 had earned buyers of 99 and 95 leading into the Derby. And Audible in 2018 had earned buyers of 99 and 99 leading into the Derby. Hot Rod Charlie finished third, Midnight Bourbon sixth, Improbable fifth, audible third so none of them got the job done but i think they're at least horses who you can draw some comparisons to both on figs and granted none of them ran as fast as epicenter has based on that louisiana derby and if you couldn't tell for what it's worth i'm using buyer speed figures as the sort of barometer you could have an entirely different look if you use different figs but i chose to go with the buyers um relatively comparable fig wise I think running style-wise, relatively comparable, all of them. The one I thought was most similar to Epicenter was Hot Rod Charlie. And no, he had he didn't have necessarily the, the amount of races that Epicenter does coming into the first Saturday of May this year. But just, I think, from a running style standpoint, 
Charlie has shown that he can go to the front like he did winning Louisiana Derby, but he's also comfortable and has run well from just off of it. Uh, Numbers-wise, relatively close. I mean, we're splitting hairs over two to three points. And just in general, I think the scope. I, I, th- I think they're very similar racehorses. Now, Hot Rod Charlie couldn't get the job done, and maybe Epicenter won't be able to get the job done. More and more I look at it, from a depending on what figs you use, Epicenter is kind of polarizing. Some figs have him, you know, probably fourth or fifth fastest. You know, the buyer figs have him tied for first fastest. Timeform US has him a little bit on the slower side. So, and that's not to say that he's a no-hope or slow, but he's not as fast as some of the other runners. So he's an interesting case. I think he's going to be forwardly placed, and I think he is, in my opinion, the most complete package leading into the Kentucky Derby this year. He's won at Churchill Downs. He's won on the lead. He's won just off the lead. He's won at a mile and three sixteenths, yada, yada, yada. I think he makes all the sense in the world. My most similar comp to him is Hot Rod Charlie. But of the four that I listed, Hot Rod Charlie, Midnight Bourbon, and Probable Audible, I think you can make a case for any of them. And they all ran very respectable races, all of them in the top six. Zandon, he comes into the Derby. And keep in mind, I'm only talking about races this year. So some of these horses have did a lot back to you know their two-year-old form. These are just their prep races leading into the Derby this year. Uh, Zandon has earned buyers of 98 and 93 in his last two starts. Uh, the horses that I thought were most comparable, 2021, essential quality. He had earned buyers of 97 and 96 compared to Zandon's 98 and 93. 2019, Tacitus had earned buyers of 97 and 93 compared to Zandon's 98 and 93. 2019 also, game winner. He had earned buyers of 97 and 96. 2018, Good Magic. Oddly enough, another Chad Brown horse. Uh, buyers of 95 and 89 compared to Zandon's 98 and 93. And also from 2018, I went with Hofberg, who had earned buyers of 94 and 85 to Zandon's 98 and 93. So of this lot, very similar to the epicenter grouping, maybe they sort of the high bar wasn't quite on average what that grouping for epicenter's horses were Uh, but good magic finished second both essential quality and tacitus finished fourth game winner finished sixth and hofberg finished seventh of that lot from a running style standpoint now keep in mind i'm not saying that i think this is a comp and it's also difficult to sort of detach what we think of these horses and what they turned into versus what they were at the time of the race because I'm sure many people are going to listen to this and say, you, you look at you, look at what you just did, who you compared him to. But keep in mind, leading into the Kentucky Derby itself, that's what I'm comparing, not what they turned into or didn't turn into down the road. I think Zandon, from a number standpoint, running style standpoint, and sort of the talk, a lot of people loved this horse leading into the 2019 Derby. I think he compares to Tacitus most. The buyers leading into the Kentucky Derby, Zandon 98 and 93, Tacitus 97 and 93. Running style-wise, they're both going to come from a little bit farther off of it. Maybe they can get a little bit closer. The distance is not going to be the thing that gets them beat. They're in great hands from a conditioner standpoint. Chad Brown, Bill Mott. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there, a lot of similarities. Just because Tacitus never panned out doesn't mean that that's going to be Zandon. But to this point leading in, I think they're very reasonable comps. I really do. Essential quality, I think, is uh, another one that makes a lot of sense, especially from a running style standpoint. 
not going to be up among the leaders for the most part. I know he did so in the bluegrass, but that was because there was no pace whatsoever. And we've seen Zandon do a similar thing in the Remsen, where there was no pace. He was reasonably close to it back as a two-year-old. Uh, but I, I can see similarities between those two. Game winner, the tough thing for me, he had a little bit more early foot. He could be a little bit closer to the pace. Uh, good magic, I think, was also much handier than a horse like Zandon or Tacitus, for that matter, and Hofberg. Hofberg fits the bill as well. I think Zandon's just a better horse than Hofberg was, and I thought Hofberg was extremely, extremely promising at this point, and he never panned out. I think Tacitus is a good comp to Zandon at this point in time right now. And that would be my thing. It's just people hear what they want to hear. But I would just strongly urge you to look at Tacitus, if you can find his PPs, leading up to and including the Kentucky Derby, not beyond that. I'm only talking about to this point, this lead in. Uh, Zandon, I think, is probably the most talented aside from essential quality of this lot. I suppose good magic fits in there as well. Um, but you know, purely on all the, the different sort of things that I laid out running style figs earned sort of how many races he's had coming into it, X, Y, and Z. I think Zandon and Tacitus at this point in time are very similar racehorses. White Abario. He's had two races, buyers of 96 and 97 in 2021. I think midnight bourbon, very similar. He had buyers of 96, 96, and 93. Uh, in 2019, there were two horses. And I, I kind of co-highlighted them. One of them is Game Winner, who had buyers of 97 and 96 leading into the Derby. The other is Tax. And I, I really wanted to, to make the comp of Tax, but I do think Game Winner might be a little bit more on par. Tax had buyers of 95 and 96 leading into the Derby. And before I really go into those two more, in 2018, Enticed, I thought, was a, a similar type. He had buyers of 93 and 95 leading into the Derby. Now, this is where we're going to start to see, and I, I, it is remarkable how sort of similar these groupings are from a finish standpoint. You know, you do get the occasional anomalies, but I think the bigger point that I take out of it is you can see... Certain groupings are very consistent and others are very sort of, you know, polarizing where you could be either be really good or really bad. And then some are just really bad. This is a grouping, a category that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see White Abario in the top grouping, the Midnight Bourbons and the Game Winners of the World who finished top six. And keep in mind, maybe six doesn't sound all that good. I mean, sixth in the Kentucky Derby is a very good performance. It's not as though it's an easy race for any horse, or rider for that matter. But if he finished sixth, I think that would be a very commendable performance. I could also see a scenario where you have a tax or enticed finish, where you finish 14th or 15th. Not great. Uh, I guess of the two that I think he's most similar to, game winner and tax both fit in there. I'm a little more inclined to think game winner, just because Game Winner's two-year-old form was there, and we saw White Abario prove himself as a good two-year-old. Remember, Tax at one point was claimed for $50,000, so it's not as though he was always thought of as the bee's knees. I'm inclined to think White Abario and Game Winner are more similar than White Abario and Tax, and if that's the case, perhaps the upside is there for White Abario to finish in sort of that top third of the field uh, the first Saturday in May. Mo Donegal. He has buyers of, oh, and by the way, uh, 
Midnight Bourbon finished sixth, Game Winner sixth, Tax fifteenth, Enticed fourteenth, just to get them all out there. I know I had mentioned all of their finishes, but just to sum it up. Mo Donegal comes into this race with buyers of 96 and 90 in his two starts. And I'm also, I tried to bring into account, you know, maybe some trips didn't work out for some of these horses. And just again, you're just, you're looking for comparables that had similar things happen. Reminder, Mo Donegal didn't particularly love Gulfstream, missed a little bit of time, comes back in the wood, runs giant. 2021, I have Obesos. He had buyers of 96, 88, 83 in his three starts leading into the Kentucky Derby. He finished fifth. Tacitus in 2019, we've already discussed. 2018, Hofburg, we've already discussed. Also in 2018, though, is the horse that I ended up thinking he is most similar to. And I know I just said the complete opposite about don't think about what these horses turned into down the road. But this is exactly and immediately where my head went with this horse specifically, Mo Donegal. Leading into the 2018 Kentucky Derby, there was a horse who had two races. His buyers that he earned were 98 and 85. He ended up finishing ninth that year. Not a great finish, but he ended up doing bigger and better down the road. That was Vino Rosso who also happens to be a Todd Pletcher trainee. Now, there was a a pretty key difference. Vino Rosso was very green, kind of didn't know what the hell was going on. Bo Donegal, there's no issues with greenness. He's very professional. He's just not the fastest early on. Vino Rosso was a horse that, in time, as he got older, he developed a little bit more tactical speed. He didn't have to come from way out of it. He was much more focused. They played with blinkers a little bit to try to get him sharpened up. Uh, But... I mean, from the idea or the notion that he'll run all day, he's got one of the best trainers in history in his corner, he's going to have one of the best riders in the race in Arad Ortiz Jr. Numbers-wise, he's not far off. And again, when you compare to Vino Rosso's 98 and 85 leading in, Mo Donegal's 96 and 90, they don't look so crazy. And I believe Vino Rosso earned that 98 in the wood. I'd have to go back and look at it again. But... I think that's an interesting comp. The thing that you see about those four, though, they were all left with too much to do to win the the Kentucky Derby. They all came with late runs. Obesos, Tacitus, Hofburg, Vino Rosso. I'll be curious to see. It goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. comes down to pace and trip with a horse like Mo Donegal. I have no doubt about the distance. If anything, he's going to probably want to run five miles if if you gave him the opportunity to. But I think that's a very reasonable comp for Mo Donegal going forward. Vino Rosso. This is where the list starts to get fun. Cyberknife. First things first, if you go and listen to the pace talk that PTF and I had on Friday's Late Show, um, we talked about that there's always going to be a darling. There's going to be one horse that touts themselves week of or weeks leading into the derby, and you need to take notice. I don't know if that was Cyberknife just yet. If he does it again in his final work, then maybe we've got the full-blown darling. But it seems like he is the one that is kind of the bee's knees of the clockers. From a progression standpoint, however, I think he's a fascinating case because I could see I could see the high side being him being extremely good, but I'm more concerned about him on the opposite side of the scale. So his three races leading in to the Derby, 
Buyers of 92, 87, 72. I had a difficult time pinning down comps for a number of reasons, but with this sort of up and down, as far as the buyers are concerned, the running styles have been a little bit different. Just there are many elements to a horse like Cyberknife that I think I would totally understand anyone that looks at my comps and goes, I don't believe in any of those. I could also understand folks that are in the same camp is myself saying I could see him being any one of these horses in 2021 I had two horses listed but they're not perfect because they don't have the kind of early foot that Cyberknife does Superstock and Dynamic 1 Superstock had earned buyers of 92 and 83 leading into the race Dynamic 1 had earned buyers of 89 79 and 72 again neither of them have the early foot that Cyberknife has been blessed with uh, and neither of them ran particularly well First Saturday in May. Superstock finished 16th. Dynamic won 18th. 2019. I had three horses listed. Country House, Vacoma, Spinoff. Now again, Country House, not a great comp simply because of the running style. But when you take a look at sort of the progression, buyers of 91, 87, 86, 80 compared to 92, 87, 72, not that far off. He finished second and is elevated to first via disqualification. Vacoma didn't have three races leading in. He only had two here in buyers of 94 and 90. He finished 13th and was moved up to 12th. And then Spinoff had buyers of 95 and 84 before finishing 18th. I think Spinoff is the one that I would want to go with. I know his buyers are a little bit higher, or his last one anyway, leading into the Derby is a little bit higher, but simply from a tactical standpoint, I think Spinoff is the most similar running style-wise to Cyberknife from that 2019 group. In 2018, I had listed Good Magic, Solomini, and Noble Indy. Now, I'm tempted to go with Solomini out of that group, but to be fair, that doesn't really make sense because Solomini had a much more established two-year-old foundation than Cyberknife. Good Magic, same deal. We know he broke his maiden in the Breeders' Cup. Noble Indy makes a little bit of sense, 95, 91, 86. He was faster, though, leading into the Derby than Cyberknife. My comp that I ended up using was Spinoff. In that, you know... He's going the right way. He looks good out there. Who knows? And it didn't work out for Spinoff. He finished 18th. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Cyberknife, uh, but something worth monitoring. And if the thing with Cyberknife, I talk about it all the time when it comes to gambling, and that's what this is. We're, we're talking still about odds and needing to play the percentages. If you like Cyberknife because of what we've seen visually and you like the upward progression and things like that, Just make sure you're getting what you deem to be a fair price. That's all. Don't settle on a short, short number unless you think he's a slam dunk. But just purely on a nuts and bolts standpoint, he's considerably slower than some of the other horses he's going to run into. So if you like him, that's fine. Just make sure you're getting a fair price. That's all. That's all I would ask of you, the better. Just make sure you're not getting screwed. Crown Pride, again, he and Tiz the Bomb, I don't have good comps for them. Now we get into Taba. And I tweeted something earlier on Monday. A couple of tweets. If you haven't seen them, Bernie or underscore Matt on Twitter. Taba, putting aside what you believe of him going into the race, 
purely from a, this is too much, too soon, you know, he's only going to have one workout. You know, th there are a number of oddities with this horse. But I couldn't help but start to notice that the list of horses over the past 10 years that entered the Derby with at least two consecutive 100-plus buyer speed figures, it's a pretty select group, and the vast majority, three-quarters of them, effectively, finished in the top three of the race, and four of them won. So Taba has earned buyers of 102 and 103 leading into the Derby. 2019, maximum security. He earned buyers of 101, 102, and 83 leading into the Derby. He finished first. He was disqualified. But to be fair, maximum security, we know the whole background there. 2018, justify. We know the background there as well. Uh, buyers of 107, 101, 104 leading into the Derby. He finishes first. En route to the Triple Crown, by the way. 2015, what a race the 2015 Derby was. You had four horses entering that year's Derby with at least two consecutive buyers of 100 or better. And Oh, by the way, and I skipped over in 2018. Steve Kornacki sent me a note, and I had missed it. Bolt Doro also fit into that category. He had a couple of triple-digit buyers leading into the Derby. Uh, he finished 15th or 16th, something like that. So he is the one that was nowhere. 2015, you had American Pharaoh, Firing Line, Dortmund, and Materiality, all of whom had two consecutive triple-digit buyers leading into the Derby. Four of them. They finished first, second, third, and sixth. It's just to illustrate, usually the fastest horses win, especially ones that have tactical speed. California Chrome in 2014. Leading in, he had buyers of 107 and 108. He goes on to win. And in 2012, Bodemeister had buyers of 108, 101, 101, 82 leading into the Derby. He finishes second, largely due to the fact that he had to outfoot a horse like Trinneberg, who went on to win the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and he got run down by I'll Have Another. So of this list, and again, including Bolt Doro, who I had omitted inadvertently at first, you've got horses that cross the wire first, 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 second, third, sixth, first, second, and Bolt Doro, 15th, 16th, whatever it was. My only point, tweeting it out, and again, it's not, I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. If you don't like the horse, you don't like the horse. That's fine. That's what, that's what handicapping is all about. It's just to say that Table would, it would be more, he'd be more of an anomaly if he didn't run well, given the two races he's run leading into the Derby. And I maintain it still could be too much too soon. Do I love the fact that he's going to have one workout? No, not really. I, you know, who knows? I don't know how he's going to ship. I don't know how any of that's going to work. He could completely melt down. But just purely, if you're looking at it on numbers, and some folks don't want to do that, your prerogative, based on numbers, the sort of trajectory or the the past 10 years would suggest he's going to run and run very well. We'll find out in a, what, about 14 days' time, 12 days' time, if that ends up happening with this horse. But history over the past 10 years suggests he's going to run well. Simplification. Oh, and by the way, of that list, 
who I think he's probably, everyone wants to use the justify comp. I think he's much more materiality than justify. Materiality had one more race, but the timing of the two races for materiality leading into the Derby, I think are much more comparable than justifies. Justify, again, keep in mind, he had an allowance race between his, his debut and the San Anita Derby. Materiality debuted, earned an 87, came back and won a stakes race with a 102 buyer in early March. Taba debuted in early March. So is that one race that much of a difference maker? Perhaps it is. He then went on to race in the Florida Derby 22 days later. Which keep in mind, Materiality was a Todd Pletcher horse. Todd doesn't typically wheel his horses back quickly. 22 days later, Materiality goes out, wins the Florida Derby, earns a 110 buyer. Yes, there's more time between the Florida Derby and the Kentucky Derby than the Santa Anita Derby and the Kentucky Derby. But the point is... Two giant races, they were very close together, and only a handful of weeks later, he ran in the Kentucky Derby. For what it's worth, prior to re realizing I did not include Bolt Doro, um, of this list, materiality ran the worst. Is it coincidence? Is it? Is there something there? Uh, again, the beauty of handicapping, you and I and anyone else can look at the same set of PPs and come to many different conclusions. Um, but he is polarizing. At this point, it's hard to argue that he is not polarizing. Um, Taba is going to be one of the more interesting runners uh, the first Saturday in May, whether you love him or you hate him. Simplification. Four numbers leading into the Kentucky Derby, 92, 96, 91, and 90. To me, when I first see that, it just suggests that he's not getting particularly faster, uh, but he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Sounds like he's working very well in South Florida. The only comps that I felt comfortable with all came from 2018. My Boy Jack, Solomini, Flame Away, and Combatant. Now, My Boy Jack and Combatant were horses that didn't have a great deal of early speed, so they're kind of stretches on the comp scale. But the reason I included them was because of the figures that they had earned. They each... All three of the horses, Simplification and My Boy Jack and Combatant, will have had four races leading into the Derby. Again, Simplification's buyers of 92, 96, 91, 90 are very comparable to My Boy Jack, 90, 94, 93, 85, and Combatant, 92, 92, 84, 94. Uh, 85, 94, excuse me. Combatant finished 18th. My Boy Jack finished 5th. Again, neither of them really had any kind of early foot, though. And not that simplification's a burner, but he's got a little bit of tactical speed. Flame Away is a horse that wanted to be forward. He earned buyers of 93, 92, and 93. I'm going to lean more toward him than Solomini, mainly because Solomini had... And not that Flame Away didn't, but Solomini had legitimate two-year-old form on dirt. Flame Away was more grass early on in his career, and he wasn't nearly as fast as Solomini as a two-year-old before they moved over to the three-year-old campaign. He also ran three times compared to Simplification's four, and Solomini only ran twice. Uh, to me, Flame Away would be a, a reasonable comp for Simplification. He ended up finishing 13th in the Kentucky Derby that year. And the last horse that we'll touch on for today's show is Smile Happy who has paired up career-best buyers of 94 leading into the Kentucky Derby. He was well-beaten last out against Zandon in the Bluegrass. He finished 
second well beaten by Epicenter in his run prior in the Risen Star. The comps that I had for Smile Happy in 2021, Midnight Bourbon again. He had paired up buyer tops of 96, along with a 93 before that, leading into the Derby. Finished sixth. Game winner, we've already talked about him a little bit earlier on. 97 and 96 buyers. He went on to finish sixth in the Derby. Audible had paired up career buyer tops of 99 before finishing third in the Kentucky Derby. So there are some similarities there. But to be fair, Audible had run two races faster than anything Smile Happy's ever run. Solomini just mentioned him when talking about simplification. He paired up 92s. And then Flame Away, who we just talk, touched about. To me, the one that is most similar is Solomini, simply because each of these horses, Smile Happy and Solomini, had established two-year-old form. The concern and the problem, neither of them have really improved greatly. At least it doesn't seem so for Smile Happy to this point, and Solomini, Solomini just kept running the same race. Solomini was also a little bit goofy. Guess who else is a little goofy? Smile Happy. Swapping leads, looking around, this, that, and the other. Solomini did all the same sort of things. Solomini had earned buyers in the low 90 range as a two-year-old. Smile Happy did the exact same thing. So, yes, he's paired up buyer tops of 94. I think he could move forward. But there is a part of me that is a little bit unsure of where he actually stacks up now. Maybe he just didn't improve. Is a mile and a quarter going to be to his liking? You know... Many of these things applied to Solomini, and he ended up finishing 10th. I'm not saying that that's where Smile Happy's going to finish, but I think there were more similarities than differences between the two horses, and I think that would be a little bit alarming to me if I was going to get stuck in at, at too short a price. If you want to tell me he's going to be 15 to 1, I think that's reasonable. But if he, for whatever reason, sneaks into the high single digits, low doubles into that sort of 10 to 1 range, that's a little, a little, a little rich for my blood. So, again, it's not a scientific exercise. It's more kind of bar barroom talk, just to shoot the breeze, try to see how some of the horses that have already run with similar sort of CVs entering the Derby, similar running styles, how they ended up faring the first Saturday in May. And who knows, maybe we can glean something out of that for some of these runners that we've touched on here. This is the current, or it was anyway, the top 10 before the news of Classic Causeway. Um, and... I, you know, if you have comps for Tis the Bomb or Crown Pride, please let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, or if you agree or disagree with any of the other comps that I've laid out for the horses that we've already touched on. I think it's going to be a really interesting race. I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Timeform US has already released their early pace projector for the Derby. Uh, no surprise, they're expecting a fast pace. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if early voting does go. If he doesn't go, how does that change the complexion? Um, there are still big names that we have not touched on yet as far as projections and things like that are concerned. Messier's name has not come up yet, which it will, you know, knock on wood, next week. But it's just going to be a really interesting race, and, and now we're everybody and their brother is in workout mode keeping an eye on how they're all training over Churchill Downs if they are there. We've already seen Zandon over at Keeneland. Some of these other horses, I know there was a workout of uh, White Abario down in Florida. We've already seen the, the California horses working out at Santa Anita. There's a number of moving pieces at this time of year, and we've only got about 13, 12, 13 days until the first Saturday in May. So uh, we're getting closer and closer. It's going to be a fascinating race. Again, let me know what your thoughts are about any of the horses that were discussed here. If you agree or disagree, 
with some of these comps that we threw out there for a fun little exercise here on April the 25th, episode 113 of the pod. However you've been listening, thank you for doing so. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're catching this thing. Uh, again, I will. I expect to be back on Monday, but that could change. I expect to be back on Monday, and then beyond that, we'll take it as it comes. I will certainly be on the late show this week with PTF, though, so be sure to check that out. And again, until whenever I talk to you again. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 113 of the Matt Burninger Show.